Praise the Lord. Isaiah 56. When you get there, um, would you just stand with me just for the reading of God's word? And uh, Isaiah 56. And we're going to read verses 5 and uh, verse 6. Praise the Lord. Amen. If you want to stand when we get there, praise the Lord. And we'll read it all together. Amen. Sorry, verses 6 and 7. Amen. Everybody's there. Let's read it together. Isaiah 56 and verse 6. Also the sons of the stranger that join themselves to the Lord to serve him and to love the name of the Lord, to be his servants, everyone that keepeth the Sabbath from polluting it and taketh hold of my covenant, even them will I bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices shall be accepted upon mine altar. For mine house shall be called a house of prayer. Father, tonight we pray that you'd bless your word, that you would anoint it, and Lord, you would speak to us. Lord, we are praying that this place would be a house of prayer for all people. Lord, impregnate your people with the power of the Holy Ghost. Lord, may there be a travail in the place of prayer. Lord, we know we can't work that up. It's not a method. Lord, it's not something that man can conjure up, but Lord, it is a work of the Holy Ghost. So Lord, we pray that you would heavily come upon your church and burden it and cause it to travail that sons and daughters would be born. Lord, we know the privilege of prayer. We know the power of prayer. And Lord, we pray, Lord, asking you to help us, Lord, in prayer, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Let's take our seats together uh, tonight. Amen. I want us to just share a few things uh, tonight uh, just concerning the house of prayer. I believe it's a timely message. I know there's so many would want to be here and are not here, but I just always believe, you know, that God, when he speaks, He'll know exactly who'll be there. He knows exactly who'll be part of it, who is going to be in the midst, and who he wants to share or speak to. And so I've always been off uh, the opinion or just to preach on, <laughs> if you like, in, in, in the good and the bad, in season and out of season, because it's God that gives the increase, and we just have to be faithful to the preaching of God's word. But one thing that just over the past few days, that really the Lord has burdened me for this message tonight, is that God wants to cleanse his house. And, you know, that is a work of the Holy Ghost. There has to be a cleansing of the house in order for the power, but not the power, it's the presence of Jesus to be so mighty amongst his people his desire is to fill this place with the fullness of himself and that is just an awesome thing i mean really for god to just bring the fullness of his presence amongst his people everything everything's right and everything's boot right and everything and every need is met and people are healed and delivered and saved and baptized in the Holy Ghost and the purpose of God, the will of God, the plan of God. His house is full, his presence, in his presence, what does the Bible say? There's fullness of joy at his right hand, are pleasures for every more, evermore. The, the presence of Jesus should be everything, should be the, the very seal and the desire of our lives. We want him to come. 
But I believe in our day in which we're living that what is needed more than anything else is the house of God to be cleansed. And the fulfillment of these prophecies in Isaiah chapter 56, the fulfillment of them are in the ministry of Christ, in his earthly ministry. And we know that two times in his ministry he cleansed the temple. If you turn to John chapter 2, verse 13, we read of the first time that the Lord in his earthly ministry came to the house of God. Now, at that time, we know it was Herod's temple. Um, It was uh, a house that represented God had chosen Jerusalem. He had put his name there. They had built a temple onto the Lord. But we know that by this stage in time, that it come to a point where there was no representation of who God really was anymore. There was People did not see God. They seen religion. They seen a manufactured system. They'd seen law and death and all the outworkings of man, but they didn't see God. And now Christ, we know the story well, comes incarnate in the flesh, the God whom they claimed to worship, the, the whole Old Testament, the times where the Shekinah glory would appear over that Ark of the Covenant in the Holy of Holies. That was Christ. Now Christ comes in the flesh, in his earthly ministry, under the power of the Holy Ghost, and he comes to the place that represented him or claimed to represent him. And you find something completely different to who he was, what his purpose was, what his desire was, to what man was presenting him to be. And the reason why I say all of that is because that is where Brothers and sisters, that is where we are today. That is where we are today. That is the tragedy of the hour that we have come to. So much that claims, and I say this not that we're not part of this. I say this with a genuine heart that is concerned and grieved with this as much as anyone else. We have misrepresented who this Christ really is. We have misrepresented the gospel. We have misrepresented to a world that's lost really the hope and the reality of who this God really is. That's why we've religion. That's why we've all the different denominations, all the types, all the, the different things, the Protestant, the Catholic, the this, the that, the other. But, you know, we want to see Jesus represented and demonstrated to this world. And in John chapter 2, at the early part of his ministry, In verse 13, we read these words, And the Jews' Passover was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. He found in the temple those that sold oxen and sheep and doves, the changers of money sitting. And when he had made a scourge of small cords, he he drove them all out of the temple, and the sheep and the oxen, and he poured out the changers of money and overthrew their tables. And said unto them that sold doves, Take these things hence. Make not my father's house a house of merchandise. And his disciples remembered that it was written that the zeal of his house had eaten him up. And you know, brothers and sisters, in this early part of his ministry, when Christ came to that which represented God himself, we see here the zeal of the Lord for his house, for what it should be. And we see Christ entering in. If you can just think, I know we know this, these stories so well. 
But if you can see the very heart of God and the passion and the zeal of God in Christ coming into that house, if you can see him coming and a visitation, if you like, to the house that said, we represent you. And when he came into that house, there was nothing that represented him in reality. Nothing that represented him in reality. And Christ comes at the beginning of this ministry to the place that represented him. And he began to cleanse the house. He began to do a work that in many respects, most people find it uncomfortable to see Jesus in this fashion. Really, because we're so portrayed, we're so painted of a picture of Christ that, that this seems to be out of character for who he is. But there was a zeal and a passion for his house. Why was that? Because it misrepresented who he was. But also when we read in the further encounters in these houses, that in the temple when he came again, that there was no place found for the lost, the broken, the maimed, the blind, the halt, the lepers. If we put it into our modern language, the drug addicts, the drunkards, the prostitute, the homosexual, find no place in the house. And so the passion of God and the zeal of the Lord was to cleanse my house that they might come in. The reason was that religion and everything of the works of man was preventing the power of God coming and reaching and people being attracted to the house, not because of the house, but because of who was in the house. And that was Jesus and all his power and all his glory. We see it in Mark chapter 11, the second time that he comes to the house again at, towards the end of his ministry in Mark eleven fifteen. And it says these words, and they come to Jerusalem. Mark eleven fifteen. And Jesus went into the temple and began to cast out them that sold and bought in the temple. He overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them. You know what had happened? Just in that short space of time, do you know what had happened? He cleansed the house, but you know what they did? They just brought the tables back in. They just brought the money changers back in. They just went back to the way it always has been. We'll just bring it all back in again. This man, he's a bit out there, a bit strange, but don't disturb what we do. Leave us as we are. The second time he comes, they've just set the stalls up again. Don't disturb our religious gatherings. Don't disturb just the way we do. We've been doing this for hundreds of years like this. Leave us as we are. And Christ comes a second time. And this time he does all the same things again. He overthrew the tables of the money changers, the seats of them that sold doves. And he would not suffer that any man should carry any vessel through the temple. And he taught and he said unto them, Is it not written that my house shall be called of all nations the house of prayer? But what have you made it? You have made it a den of thieves. If you turn over into Luke chapter 19 for again uh, the record of Luke concerning uh, this second visitation to the temple of the Lord to cleanse it. In Luke 19 and 45 he went into the temple says there, and began to cast out them that sold therein and them that bought, saying unto them, it is written, my house is the house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. We have made it something completely different. Man did that. Religion did that. They made it something different to what he had purposed it to be, and so he cleanses the temple. Brothers and sisters, what is needed in this hour, in this day, is a cleansing of the temple of the Lord. 
what is actually needed. The Bible says, who shall ascend under the hill of the Lord, but he that has clean hands and a pure heart, and he's not lifted up his soul unto vanity. We're wanting to see the power. We want to see the glory. We want to see the move of the Spirit of God. But friends, what needs to happen in order for God to come in His power and His glory and everything of His majesty in order to reach into this world, there has to come a cleansing of the temple, a cleansing of the house to see again the glory of the Lord. Nehemiah, Nehemiah, was a wonderful man of God. He had a great burden for God. He had a great burden for the work of God. But I want to show you something about this man, Nehemiah. If you turn into Nehemiah 13, we know that he was a man that was burdened. He had a passion to see the the temple rebuilt, the walls rebuilt. We know there was a great apostasy in his day in in the sense that God had brought a judgment and the whole of Jerusalem was destroyed. The people were carried away. And, and he was concerned. Could I ask you, brothers and sisters, tonight, have you a concern for the body of Christ? Have you a concern? Listen, it's not a key. I know we're blessed here. I know we are. But honestly, I believe that we're part of this. We're not on the outside. We're part of this. And our burden is for the body of Christ, for the church of Jesus Christ across this island to rise up in the power of the Holy Ghost. Nehemiah had a burden. He could have said when he sat in the king's house and he was the cupper of the king, what's happening in Jerusalem? Fair enough, that's in Jerusalem, but I'm okay. It's okay where I am. But no, he was burdened when he heard that, that the gates were burned with fire and the walls had been broken down and the place was a desolate place. He was burdened. Are you burdened for the church of Jesus Christ? Are you burdened for the body of Christ? Are you burdened, friends? Is the church truly representing Jesus for who he is? Is the glory of God filling the temple of God, the house of God, not the bricks and the mortar, but wherever God's people meet in his name, that should be a place where God is. He says where the twos or threes are gathered in my name, I'm there in the midst. Who is there? Jesus. The Jesus of the Gospels is there. And all his power, he heals the sick, he raises the dead, he cleanses the leper, he, he sets the captive free. Glory to God, that's Jesus. Theology may tell you something different. Tradition may tell you something different. Man may tell you something different. The secular world will tell you something different. Your RE teacher will tell you something different. But I want to tell you what the book tells us tonight, friends. He's come to set the captive free. And Nehemiah has burdened to see a rebuilding. But in Nehemiah 13, you see something about this cleansing of the house. It says there in Nehemiah 13, verse 1, On that day they read in the book of Moses in the audience of the people, and therein was found written that the Ammonite and the Moabite should not come into the congregation of God forever. Why? Because they met not the children of Israel with bread and with water, but hired Balaam against them, that he should curse them. How be it God turned the curse into a blessing. Isn't that awesome? That God turned the curse, what they were trying to do, what man meant for evil, God turned it around for good. That's what God's able to do. I want to tell you, friends, what men are trying to do today, 
What this world is trying to do today, what this Antichrist spirit is trying to do today, we serve a God that turns it around for good. He's able to turn it all around, friends, even in the midst of all of this. And so it says, Now it came to pass when they heard the law, that they separated from Israel all the mixed multitude. God does not delight in mixture. He really doesn't. The mixture, whatever that mixture is, but he does not like mixture. And they read in the word of God, they read that they were to be a people separated unto him. The word of the Lord was quickened to them. The word of the Lord came into their hearts. There was like a rhema word. God had quickened to their hearts. What are we doing? There's a mixture in all of this. There's a mixture, friends, there's a mixture coming into the world. There's a system that's constantly trying to press its way into the church, that the church becomes part of a worldly system. It's coming, friends. You feel it, you sense it. It's trying to invade every part of your being in every way. I want to tell you, friends, we're not part of this world. We're not part of this world. Whatever men may say, whatever systems may say, whatever the experts may say, I'm no expert, but I'll tell you one thing. I do know this Jesus tonight. And so in verse 4, it says these words, And before this, Elashib the priest, having the oversight of the chamber of the house of the Lord, was allied unto Tobiah. Can you imagine? Can you imagine this for a moment? Tobiah who opposed the building of God and now he is allied with one of the priests in the house of God. Can you imagine? Friends, you know all we're seeing today, all we're hearing today. Someone sent me the article, Ronnie, just the other day about that man Steve Chalk and how he's come out and how he's moved over into the whole. He was about years ago. I remember him as a young fellow. This guy was sort of the up-and-coming youth sort of type of worker person, whatever it sort of is, you know where they get, and anyway, everyone, oh, Steve Chalk, Steve Chalk, everyone's excited about Steve Chalk, Steve Chalk, he's amazing, he's amazing, well, friends, I want to tell you something, this man, I tell you, friends, he is a wolf, he's coming out now, he's come away, and he's talked about the whole embracing of the homosexuality, and now he's coming against all those in the church of Jesus Christ that are still standing for God's word, and he's saying that the law is coming, and you're going to be imprisoned because you won't change. This is a man claiming to be a representation of Jesus. And he's allied himself. And men are al- there's allies now that they're, they are wolves. I want to tell you, friends, I want to be clear with you tonight. You might say, Tim, that's a wee bit. Of, that's a wee bit. I'm going to tell you, Paul wept with the church before he left it and said, listen, see, after I go, there's going to be wolves come into this church. And they've only one purpose. They're going to destroy it. They'll destroy it. Why? Because they'll bring their lies and their deception into the church. And what's happening now, friends? Church leaders, church denominations are aligning themselves up with a worldly system. And we wonder, we ask the question, what what about the Antichrist? What about the Mark? Friends, I want to tell you, they're conditioned already. It'll move very quick. And it is moving quick. We were talking last night, Chris. We were saying, what is ha- how quickly it's happened. It's, the, it's how quickly it's happened. 
in, in, the, in, a, in a matter of years is how quickly it's moved. But the tragedy is so much of the church is aligning itself up with the spirit of this age. Deception has come. And so it says there, look at this here. And before this, Eliashib, verse 4, the priest having the oversight of the chamber of the house of God was allied to Tobiah. Verse 5, look at this. And he prepared for him a great chamber where aforetime they led the meat offerings, the frankincense, and the vessels, and the tithes of the corn, the new wine, and the oil, which was commanded to be given to the Levites, and the singers, and the porters, and the offerings of the priests. But in all this time was not I at Jerusalem. Listen what was happening, friends. This enemy of the kingdom had found a place in the house of God. Nehemiah, I know this sounds like stern words, but there's principles, there's biblical principles here. This, this man had found a place in the house of God, the place where the blessing was. Look what the blessing, look at all the types of blessing here. The meat offerings, frankincense, vessels, ties of corn, the new wine, the oil, all the blessings of the Lord. This man was fleecing or or taking out all of that blessing for himself. That which would have been the blessing of the Lord in that house was being stripped of that house. Why? Because there was a priest that thought it was a good idea that we'll align ourselves with the enemy of God. I want to tell you, friends, we have an enemy today, and his name is Satan. And he comes in many guises. He might even appear, you listen to me, as an angel of light. He might even appear as an angel of light. He might appear onto you tonight with a suit on and a King James Bible and say a lot of the right things. But let me tell you something tonight. you got to discern the spirits in the day in which we're living. There's a discernment of the Spirit. And we need to pray, God, would you give us a discernment? Would you give us the gift of discernment? How many people? You might pray for many gifts. You might ask for many great talents. Lord, I'd love to be this, that, and the other. But I want to tell you one prayer that you should make. Lord, give me the gift of discernment. Because the thing that the Lord said when he was asked about the last times, the first thing that he said is, be not deceived. That's why we need discernment. Discernment comes from being in God's word. And look at this here then. Nehemiah was not in Jerusalem at that time. And so we see at the time when this man had come and taken part and been part, he was allied, he was finding a place to take the blessings of the Lord in the house of God. You see this, friends, you say, Tim, in, in reality, what, what are we looking at here? Jesus cleansing the temple, the house of God. We see the deception. We see the subtlety. Know that the Bible says that the devil is more subtle than any beast of the field. If you, friend, I want to tell you, and I don't want to, it's not trying to scare anyone, God forbid, but it is certainly trying to see what we need to be praying for and praying against. If you in this hour don't see and recognize very clearly that what is happening is that that devil has come in like a snake into the body of Christ and into the church of Jesus Christ and has been welcomed in some quarters under different guises and he is stripping 
the house of the blessing of the Lord. What's the blessing of the Lord Jesus Christ in the midst? We're aligning ourselves with the things of the world. And so we see that the king of Babylon, on certain days he asked for a leave, and it says in verse 7, And I came to Jerusalem, and I understood. Know what he called it? Listen to this. I know it's not PC, but you know I'm not PC and never will be. But it says these words, And I came to Jerusalem and understood the evil that this priest Eliashib did for Tobiah and preparing him a chamber in the courts of the house of the Lord, and it grieved me sore. I want to ask you tonight, honestly, a lot of these terms aren't even ever discussed today in the church. I want to ask you a question. Are you grieved about what you see in the body of Christ? I mean, honestly, friends, are you grieved about it? Are we even taking the time to step back? You know, one of the things that impacted me greatly over the past few years, just in this wee town, was the day, and all the, there's a lot of stuff going on. I've always made it very clear I don't want to be part of it. I don't mean that I'm not praying for it. I just don't want to get involved in all the, all the you know what I'm saying, all the stuff and all the things that go on. Balnehenge is very well known for a lot of things going on. It's nearly... It's like a magnet for it. But I tell you, I met a man in the Ulster Bank. I walk through the door, and there's a man, maybe in his 70s, loves the Lord, serves the Lord, completely destroyed by what was going on in the body of Christ, standing in the middle of the Ulster Bank, crying like a baby. It had a nervous breakdown. I want to tell you, friends, do you think that the church needs cleansed? Does that even move us? Does that even cause us to be grieved? What is being represented as the body of Christ and the church? You know, the world don't look at this and say, that's the Pentecostals, that's the that's, that's this. I'm not mentioning any other church name. I want to tell you what to say. Christianity? Jesus? I have enough problems of my own without getting all that? That's the truth. Now we need to pray for a cleansing. And he says in verse 8, it grieved me sore. I tell you, you want to live for God. You really want to go all out for God. You really want to get on fire for God. How many people want to get on fire for God? I mean, get on fire for Jesus. Come on, and many people really want to get on fire for the Lord. I mean, we need to, you know, we get on fire for a lot of stuff, but I, I want us to get on fire for Jesus. Well, I tell you, this is how radical you need to be. Therefore, I cast forth all the household stuff. Isn't there a lot of stuff? <laughs> I tell you, isn't there a lot of stuff? Is there stuff in your lives? You know, it may not be sin, but it could be stuff. There's a lot of stuff. Listen, there's a lot of junk. You know, sometimes you need to do a good clear out, don't you? As as who was it said, you gotta clear the addict. There's an awful lot up in the you know when you get up in that attic, you put the, the I told you before, my dad keeps everything of us. There's bits of her. I think my first tooth's up there and everything else is up there, my first pair of shoes and all 
But then he's starting to do a clear out now. He must be sort of fed up with it. And he's starting to clear it all out. And so photographs come and here's your first blazer or something. I tried it on and just, it doesn't fit. You can believe that, you wouldn't. But you've got to clear it out. See, if you really want to go all out for God, you've got to get rid of the stuff. There's an awful lot. And I tell you what, there's an awful lot of religious stuff. It's just stuff. But you know what stuff does? Stuff clutters it. Stuff clutters the house. Stuff clutters the meeting place. Nehemiah says, we're going to have a house cleansed and we're going to get rid of the stuff. Not only did he get rid of the stuff, but he also got rid of Tobiah. Boy, it's a bit extreme. I tell you, friends, we want to see God. We haven't got time for people who are the enemies of God. People who want to work against it. Want against work against what God wants to do. Let me tell you, friends, we need to see the house cleansed. Verse 9 says, Then I commanded, and they cleansed the chambers. They're all talking about cleansing. Aren't is that the whole thing at the minute? Cleanse the house, wash the thing, handles, but that's okay, that's good, we can do that. But listen, here's another type of cleansing. This is a sanctifying work of the Holy Ghost. When God begins to sanctify the lives. Cleanse the chambers, and thither brought I again the vessels of the Lord with the meat offerings and the frankincense. The blessing of the Lord comes back. Why? Because a man said, listen, I'm not having this here. We're going to see the blessing. We're going to cleanse the house. We're going to get rid of this. Is there stuff you need to get rid of? Let me ask you tonight, is there stuff you need to get rid of? Ask yourself, let the Holy Ghost ask, is there any religious stuff? Do you, know, do you know that religious spirit, it's an awful? See that religious proud spirit, that haughty spirit? You need to get rid of that. You need to repent of it. See that old, that old attitude, that heart? You need to get rid of it. We're wondering why God's not moving. I tell you, you need to get rid of some. You need to get rid of the stuff. Why? Because see the stuff, it never compares to the blessing. The blessing of the Lord. You see, there's a new thing that's happening. There is a new thing happening. In Isaiah 43 and verse 19, this is what the Lord says. And I want to read it and close in a couple of minutes. But Isaiah 43 and 19 Verse 18 says, Remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Oh, what a word that is, isn't it? I mean, God's desiring to do a new thing. I believe it. I, be, I believe we've seen a new thing happen this morning in this house. I really did. I see the lives that stood at this altar today. I see the tears running down cheeks. I see the hearts before the Lord. I believe there's a new thing happening. There's a new thing. And he says, he says there'll be a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. He's doing a new thing. I want to be part of God's new thing. Do you? I mean, I just want to be part of his new thing. Forget the former things. There has to come a point where you remember not the former things. So many today, sadly, and the enemy uses it, are so 
caught in the former things and the things of old, not realizing that they need to leave the former things and the things of old in order to enter into the new thing. You need to clear the stuff. You need to go on with God. And God's about to do and is doing a new thing. And it's springing forth. The house must be cleansed individually, corporately. We've got to get rid of the stuff, the junk. There's stuff you need, listen, to repent of. A dear brother said to me just a couple of days ago, and I believe it to be true, I'll repeat what he said. He said, you know, we need to repent in the church today for resisting the Holy Ghost. We've resisted him. When he's wooed us and called us, we wouldn't come. I'm talking about believers. When he's desired to fill us with the Holy Ghost, we wouldn't humble ourselves and get on our knees and cry out to God. We were too proud of what people would think. Do you know what it requires there? Not for us just to keep coming again. No, it's required. A brother was right. A witness with my spirit. We need to say, Lord, forgive us for resisting the Holy Ghost. He's a person. He can be grieved. But he's doing a new thing. What does God do when there's a new thing? I love David. And the reason why I love him, he had a passion for the presence of God. That's why I love David in the scriptures. He had a passion for the presence of God. He wanted the presence of God. He wasn't a perfect man, but neither are you and neither am I. But he wanted the presence of God. He wanted to be after the very heart of God. He had a desire. Let me ask you, friend, have you a desire for the presence of the Lord? Have you a desire? Listen, this is what this is about. If you really want, this is what it's about. A desire for the presence of the Lord. And in 2 Samuel, you don't need to turn to it, but I just want to share this. In 2 Samuel 6, it says this, that David, the Ark of the Covenant, we know in the Old Testament, is a type. It is Christ. It is Christ. You know, this whole book's about him. It's, it's about Jesus, but that Ark of the Covenant, that was the symbol of the divine presence of God amongst his people. And what did David want? He wanted that Ark in the midst of his people. David wanted that. David desired that. And it says that he chose 30,000 men of Israel. And David rose and went with all the people that were with him to Baal of Judah to bring up from the thence the Ark of God whose name is called by the name of the Lord of hosts to dwell between the cherubims. And they set the ark of God, and I know many of you know this, but they set the ark of God upon a new cart. A new cart. Oh, just any old thing will do. No, 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 no. We want the divine presence the manifestation of his glory, the power and the person of Jesus. I want to tell you, friends, there has to be something new. There has to be a fresh. There has to be a fresh sanctifying. There has to be a cleansing. There must be a genuine heart of sin. Lord, you know, if you're sitting here tonight, honestly, friend, listen to me. I know I plead, but I will plead. If you're sitting here tonight and you're a Christian, you've given your life to Jesus, but you know in the depths of your heart that it's just largely empty, dry, and barren. And you know you can pray, you can quote verses, you can sing the songs, you can do, 
But really in your life, you know it's just not in that place. Listen to me, friends, tonight. God wants to do a new thing. But that requires an act on your part. Do you know what it is? It's repentance. He didn't make it that. You've made it that. He comes, he says, the devil comes but for to steal, to kill and destroy. But I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Abundant life. And if it's not that, friends, there needs to be a repentance. That's the new thing. Get the new cart and then the presence of the Lord will fill the vessel. No man putteth a piece of new garment on an old. If otherwise both the new garment make the new maketh a rent and the piece that was taken out of the new agreeth not with the old. No man putteth new wine in old bottles. Lane prayed that tonight. Else the new wine will burst the bottles and be spilled and the bottles shall perish. Friends, I want to tell you something. We need a new thing. A new cart. We need the new wine skin. But praise God, we need the new wine. The Holy Ghost cleansing the house. What happens when he cleanses the house? Tells us very simply in Matthew 21 that the blind and the lame come in to the temple. Friends, you know there is nothing greater than I know and it's your heart and it's my heart we're coming to prayer. There's nothing greater for us all. I know it's the burden of the church. I know it's the burden of your heart to hear the prayers but nothing greater than for those two doors to be pushed open and those other two doors to be pushed open. You know this house to be filled and it's going to be filled. Listen, it's going to be filled. You know the religious aren't going to come. They're going to hate it. The religious pride and religious spirits, they're not going to come. They'll speak against it. They'll give off about something. But I tell you what it'll be filled with. It's going to be filled with the blind and the poor and the broken and the maimed and the nobodies and the people that society has no time for and the no-hopers and everything else in this world. They're going to start coming through broken, maimed, crippled, struggling up those steps. But I tell you, they're going to meet with him. Amen. Amen. All I'm saying is, friends, I simply... Matters not to me whether I'm sitting here and you can say, I don't know where you mean that. I can tell you I mean every word of it. Whether I be standing up here or I'm sitting right in that back seat beside Nathan, it wouldn't make a difference to me. But I tell you to see men and women weeping their way to the cross, that's everything. It's more than a thousand sermons that any of us could preach just to see them come. But the heart needs cleansed. How does it be cleansed? It cleansed when we're cleansed. Yes. Get our hearts and our lives right with the Lord. I want to be on fire for Jesus. Amen. I want to be on fire for you. And praise the Lord tonight. Let's pray. And let's really get before the Lord. Father, Lord, God, I pray. Lord, we just humble ourselves. Lord, before your throne tonight. Lord, we just pray. Oh, God, I pray. I pray my knee before you, Lord. Lord, I pray, oh, Father, Lord, for this church tonight, oh, God, we pray, Lord, for your power and your presence, Lord, we ask, Lord, for mercy, 
Yes. Lord, forgive us, Lord. Lord, we repent, Lord, before your throne tonight, oh God. Thank you. There's mercy. Oh, Father, we pray, Lord, in this house tonight, oh God, that you cleanse us by your power, yes. you sanctify us, Lord. Oh, God, you cleanse our hands, oh God, our hearts, oh God, our thoughts. We thank you for the blood of Jesus tonight, oh God. Oh, we thank you for the victory in the blood. We thank you for the cross tonight, oh God. And we pray for your sanctifying power, Lord, to sanctify your people, oh God. Oh, Father, we pray, take away, Lord, the sin of pointing the finger, Lord. Take away the sin, oh God, the haughty spirit, Lord, the proud look, oh God. Lord, the religious spirit, Lord, we're asking, Lord, have mercy upon us, oh God. Lord, would you cleanse your body, would you cleanse your bride, oh God. Over your power and your presence to come, Lord, to set us ablaze, Lord. Set us fire for me, oh God, we pray, Lord. Oh, Father, we pray tonight, Lord, when you get our hearts, Lord, set upon you, Lord. Get our eyes fixed, oh God. Lord, anoint us, oh God. Lord, make it more than just a name, Lord. Lord, make it more than we're just a Christian, Lord, by name, Lord, but a reality, Lord, of the Christ of God within us, oh God. Oh, Father, tonight we you move in this place, oh God, and stir our hearts, Lord. Give us the humility to repent, Lord, and to cry, Lord. Lord, let us not be concerned, Lord, about others, Lord, of the fear of God that brings us there. But let us pray, and Lord, let us call on your name, oh God. You're worthy tonight of our praise, oh God. You're worthy, Lord. Be your house. Lord, a house of prayer for all people, Lord, that the blind and the halt will come, yes, Lord. Lord. Lord, and they'll not meet, Lord, with us, but they'll meet with a man called Jesus. Yes. Oh, Father, tonight, have your way among us. Yes. In Jesus' name. Amen.